healthcare. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just said, shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the next man. That right there is a lot of Welcome back to the Music Lovers. You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast, the number one podcast in the 25 to 26 Cat Dad Demographic. I am your host, Kevin, as usual, and uh, this week, in fact, normally I sort of mess up and say, you know, this week on the podcast when we have two, but really, this week, uh, we're going on a little long, strange trip. Uh, on Tuesday, I mean, most of you will probably listen to this, uh, documentary is coming out on Amazon about one of our favorite bands, The Grateful Dead, and a couple months ago, or a couple weeks ago, last month, a, uh, a, uh, a box set of some of the what people consider to be the best shows that the Grateful Dead ever played was released called Get Shown the Light includes the famed Barton Hall show from uh, 77 and um, since we've never done this before we said hey let's let's sit down and talk about all of this talk about the Grateful Dead sort of an unofficial history uh, of of not necessarily uh, the, the the absolute facts you know, this is not a facts-based podcast, but how we have experienced the Grateful Dead over many years. You know, I've been a fan for 30 years. Most people I know are uh, are longtime fans, and we're just starting to see this uh, this greatest of American bands get their due. Uh, so, uh, we're splitting this in two parts. Uh, first part, which you're about to hear, friend Eduardo and Andre are going to come hang out in the basement, and we're going to talk about uh, the box set. We're going to talk about most of the box set. Shows around what was leading up to it, why these years, uh, answer a lot of those questions, give you a lot of history, play a few tracks that you may or may not have heard, and uh, and then we're going to take a break, come back on Thursday, and we're going to talk about the Barton Hall Show. You know, this is, like I said, the holy grail for dead collectors. It is in everybody's collection if you trade tapes, if you uh, download live music, it's you have it. And um, now... It has been remastered uh, exquisitely, and it's one of the best-sounding releases in their catalog. I think that I've heard, and I think a lot of people would agree. So we're going to talk about that and try to find out if it is their best show. And um, yeah, so strap in, uh, get your get your purple punch, get whatever you need, get on the bus. Uh, and if you are ready uh, to to buy the ticket and take the ride, let's head on down to the basement. Talk about one of our favorite bands of all time, the good old Grateful Dead. Yeah. You got shit kicking in yet? <laughs> <laughs> we all we all dropped our tabs like three yeah. three hours ago, four hours ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll just Written be kind of zone. peeking through this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we've just been exactly. running around chasing cats. I think <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, later, I'm going to be trying yeah. to hurt them. Um, yeah. Did you ever hear the rumor of this sheet of acid that was uh, designed to look like Gorbachev? And like he had that big mole on his forehead, and that yeah. was supposed to be the like most concentrated, what? the most concentrated what? tabs on the Gorbachev sheet were supposed to be <laughs> the, like forehead mole. 
I don't know why I just remember that, but Roger Ailes is dead. There's no more need for fake news. Come on, Eduardo. Um, no, whether or not we're tripping our face off is for you to decide. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, we're never going to really tell you that. Uh, that could be damaging to your careers. Maybe. No, it wouldn't hurt mine in the least. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. Um, but uh, but uh, what we are here to talk about uh, today is is something. First of all, we haven't really done a dead cast. No. I think uh, we've um, mentioned them on 50% of the episodes. 50, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Easily, yeah. easily, easily on 50% of the episodes. Yeah. But we also, uh, we did the, uh, the, the dead album, the, the 30, 30 the, days yeah, of the 30, dead. Yeah. Oh, the 30 days. Yeah. yeah um, we, we did that, but that was, yeah. that wasn't specifically about the dead. So, uh, we've been talking a long time about doing a dead. I mean, you just, we're all dead fans. Yeah. I, I don't know people who are serious music fans who aren't dead fans, but, uh, that's some, we can talk about in a little bit. It's a tell. It's an important tell. Yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah. the type of music fan that someone is. Yeah. Right. They it's can't a, appreciate it's a standard it. litmus test. Yeah, yeah, I think right. everyone yeah. sort of puts out. So, but what you, uh, you know, we're not we're not going to talk about the uh, the concerts with Trey on guitar. We're not going <laughs> to review that album. Like, why would we do that? Like, there hasn't really been a chance to like talk about it because it's, unless you're doing, which we may get to, a whole podcast just reviewing all these like live releases and that's all yeah. you do it's basically a dead hour yeah mm-hmm. uh you know th- there's no new music from them there's no no right uh no. So, so you sort of have to figure out and we've been trying to figure out now for almost 300 episodes how to do it luckily uh earlier this month uh they sort of delivered uh, a gift yeah. in, in, in yeah. that respect uh a box set called get shown the light which contains amongst other things what is considered the best Grateful Dead show of all time. Yeah. With Barton Hall. It's something I know we all had. You probably have it on tape. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Multiple versions that yeah. were worn out over yep, the yep, years. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I remember, I, Eduardo, when we were at, was it Brooklyn Pint? That's right. And you told right. me that this was coming out. And I was like, I need to go sit <laughs> down. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, I need yeah, yeah, yeah. to take a moment to myself. Like, yeah. this has sort of been... I, there's been a lot of long waiting, I think, for people that have been, you know, have an interest in the Grateful Dead and, and you know, for a long time. This has always been one of those, yeah, sort of moments. When, when is it going to happen? Waiting. Yeah, it's yeah, just like and, when. And, and there was that tease of when they put out the the uh, Tetrapin show mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, which was five twenty eight seventy seven. Yeah, yeah. And at the time, uh, they were sort of saying. Well, there's really nothing that special about five eight. Like five twenty eight is just as good. Like, All of May seventy seven is, and, yeah, yeah. and you and and like that felt a little bit like a slap in the face. Yeah, because you're like, oh wait a minute, yeah. I know for a fact that five eight yeah. is awesome. I, I have heard but, it. It's yeah, not like we right. haven't heard it. Yeah, right. And then and then when they said that, and Terrapin came out, I was like, this is pretty good. This yeah. is this is good yeah. for May seventy seven, but sure. it's not five eight. It's not Cornell. Sure, sure. Right. Well, they also released, uh, which I enjoyed, a, uh, a run from seventy eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one of those on my yeah. birthday yeah. from Red Rocks. Yeah, right. And, and, That's and, right. and it's, a stu- it's a stunning show. It's, yeah. it's a different. Yeah. Um, but these are all from 77, yeah. which is generally considered the sort of Shangri-La of, of the Grateful Dead's, right? It's, it's kind of this perfect inflection point in their career. Yeah. Um, it, it has all the good things from like the rockin' earlier, like 72 and 74. Yep. It's, it's nodding a little bit toward what's going to come in the 80s. Uh, it's get, hinting at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have Jerry with the envelope filters and all that doing all all his sort of <laughs> disco is, dead thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Brent's not in the band yet, so you don't have like the coked out <laughs> organ <laughs> playing going on. Right? <laughs> Shakedown Street had not been released, so yeah, disco yeah, dead yeah, was yeah, still was true, still not yeah. not quite a thing yet. Yeah. 
And uh, and they really, um, you know, they sent this out to their listserv, and it was really a. I think the subject line was basically like Cornell is coming home. And, okay. the, and the story behind this is okay. that the band had lot. You know, the band didn't own the master tapes, and the yeah. reason uh, so many high quality shows from seventy uh, seven exist is because of what is known as the Betty boards. Yeah, right. Which was sort of a trove of uh, mixes by Betty Cantor Jackson, uh, which fans bought out of like uh one of those like um storage uh auctions yeah, right and the fans yeah. bought yeah. and they put the tapes back That's into right. circulation and so sometime in the late 80s there was just this injection of like yeah crisp soundboards from 1977 mm-hmm. and i and and there's probably a bunch of different factors that contributed to this but that really i think because of because of our uh peers and our age group like mm-hmm. that was you know we all sort of came up as you got to know about the dead yeah. Uh, May of 77 was always the the thing that was right the holy grail. Um and anytime you got you got into a conversation 58 was always the always the go to. Yeah. So with much fun- fanfare they announced this release and um and we have the physical thing sitting in yeah. front of us. Yes. And it's it's <laughs> like so old school that they put this much effort into making yeah. a physical music product yeah and i think like uh this. kevin will take some photos or go online <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah i know you know on dead.net or other places you can see pictures or videos of them unfolding what it is and yeah. the, the effort and yeah it's and, it's it's a remarkable package i mean yeah. it, it is uh it's the cds of all the shows that's when you got and mm-hmm. then what do you say two books two books there's one book about cornell like, well, an actual book and, yeah like a hardcover printed <laughs> 200 page book. book yeah yeah not not double spaced like 48 you know if you were a listener who was not familiar with this this show or these shows or the grateful dead at all to think that someone could write a 200 page book on one concert uh, within mm-hmm. a band's career of of thousands of concerts that yep. they played, yep. that sort of is telling of you know this the significance of this within you know the the catalog of the Grateful Dead or sort of you know from an anthropological yeah. point of view, yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. the Dead are very interesting, and I think that's sort of the the mystique of them because mm-hmm. you can get very anthropological or scientific or mathematical about them in in many ways, and that's sort of the fun of it for some people as they like that sort of well analysis you can sit down and analyze them in a variety of ways yeah and what's what's cool about it today is that much of the like conventional wisdom or the sort of uh the things that we all hold to be true about the dead like all these all these notions were formed before the internet yeah right they were formed like kind of peer-to-peer yeah (laughs) right it wasn't like there was just sort of like a centralized repository of opinions about the dead and everyone went there and they were like oh this is the right way to appreciate this like it was it was a constant how did the old taper trees work? Did like they drop it in the mail and you copy it and then send it to yeah, the next you, person? You, yep. Yep. You would mail yeah. people tapes or you had friends. You'd go I remember going to and spending a lot of time with people, mm-hmm. going to their house, looking through their tape collection, bringing my blank tapes and saying, "Hey, like, would yep. you mind?" And sometimes we would just sit there and listen to the and whole yeah. show while it's recording mm-hmm. because kids that's how you yeah. that's how you dubbed tapes <laughs> yeah. if we have if we have yeah. young listeners because right you didn't want to do the high speed dubbing no because that because degrades the quality exactly you have your stack of xl tubes yeah, exactly <laughs> right? so there's so, a whole there yeah. this was the type of conversation and the interesting thing you know talking about anthropologically is that you would sit and have these conversations and you would there was this space in which you would talk about it yeah. as you're listening yeah, yeah, yeah. to it 
and then you would get your copy, and then you'd go home and you listen to it, and then you would maybe forward that on. And yep, yep. there was this this whole community built around trading shows uh, via tape at that time, mm-hmm. which then moved into the CD world, which and that now it's yeah. just digital. Now it's just all online on the archive. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I actually think file sharing made this um, a little bit more complicated for people because you yeah. you started to have like mislabeled things in circulation. So I, oh, so, yeah. so I think I had like several, I, I think I download like once I started doing some of the file sharing things, I kept looking for, for Cornell and Buffalo yeah. and, and a couple of other shows. And I think I downloaded several shows that were not those shows and they yeah. were just mislabeled files. Oh, or whatever. Okay. Okay. So, so it's sort of like, unless you were on uh, a very uh, kind of exclusive uh, community, sure. You were uh, the the quality control went right out the gate, which well, is I, I think even if you were, I mean, if you think back to uh, a site called Etri, I don't know if it still yeah, exists. Mm-hmm. It, it does, it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the archive was not really built. The archive, and we'll have links to both of these in the show notes. The yeah, archive yeah. is basically uh, the live music archive. As people have donated like tapes that they found, uh, copies of it, tapers. Yeah. Frequently, because bands still allow taping, they will frequently just upload their show right to that. Yeah. There's some other sites out there, like Dime a Dozen, Tapers, Stan, mm-hmm. and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But yeah. the big one was E-Tree. And the hilarious thing about uh, E-Tree for that, and and uh, and it has to do with CDs, is that, so the way I always used to catalog this stuff, and if you look back through my iTunes, uh, everything is done as one show. It's track one through 24. It's not disc one this two yeah right uh, okay, right right, yeah, yeah. right and uh and that's how i do it but like other people like it to be split up into that because a lot of times they split the sets like the, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the the first set would be on the disc one this two uh second set on disc two and so there was no real standard of of labeling even as as yep. as maniacal <laughs> as these people were about their quote unquote standards, which sure. is a whole yeah. other hilarious yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. unless you're talking about a soundboard, <laughs> you're you're a free air recording, which is either good or bad. Then, yeah. You know, right. it, whether or not you encode it at the proper bit rate or if the transcode is not going to affect. It, like, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you you didn't see uh, you just didn't see this. Uh, I guess the a pro- proper nomenclature. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, yeah, so I think early on, um, when uh, uh, torrent sites started going up, there were a few that had very strict um, rules about how you would name shows, mm-hmm. right? And it was, and 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 really, it was just so that the files would appear in chronological order when you sorted yeah. them in Windows. Like that's sure. that's, that's why that yeah. why that exists, right? So you would, so it would be year, month, date. I think. Okay. Yeah. Um. But 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 again, the thing about the when you when when you when you were trading tapes is that most sets are less than 90 minutes most cassettes are 90 minutes so you end up mm-hmm. with that delightful little filler right yeah. there's always like two extra songs yeah. or something that someone would throw on and say yeah. oh well like and it could be a different band it could yeah. be from a different show from the same run yeah um and uh the j cards right the cassette uh-huh. uh inserts um i remember uh fondly that um my college roommate evan simpson who's the only reason i know anything about the dead had um for nineteen his his nineteen seventy four tapes the J cards if you pulled the tape out they actually had the replica of the wall of sound 
system okay. oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. for, the, for, the, for the wall of sound yeah, tour right yeah. and so and and you just saw like the entire setup and it was just yeah. this tell, weird tell, tell me about that real quick because that, that is an important part in the dead's development yeah and and, and that actually yeah. kind of brings us to, to yeah. sort of this point so yeah. 1974 just about two two things almost broke the grateful dead so yeah. one was this ridiculously expensive rig that they got together for 1974 which yeah. was the wall of sound which was which is the sound system all the speakers yeah. So yeah. just for people that aren't aware yeah yeah, yeah sorry built. you should you should google the image yeah, like with that wall of sound and, and you'll see with the, which was the concept they wanted the people in the back of right. the venue right. to have the same experience in terms of audio quality right. as mm-hmm. the people in the front they were very concerned about that i i, I yeah. believe that that was yeah, sort yeah. of the impetus of the idea to build this giant you know yep. exactly what you said. It's Wait, a wall which of kids, speakers. This is what happens when you take too much acid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, like, but yeah. this is a, this is yeah. this is legitimately a spinal tap <laughs> endeavor. Yeah. You sit around and you're like, you know, but but yeah. so uh, you know, contrary. <laughs> but I, but I think contrary to some of the stereotypes about the band is this idea that they were somehow like fossils that were stuck in time, which yeah. is which they were actually like technologically very forward looking. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, like yeah. business wise, they're better capitalists than than any other band yeah. that's ever existed. Um, technologically, they were always looking for ways to like, how can I make my instrument sound cooler? Yeah, yeah. How can I? How can? How can we make a show in an arena sound good? Yeah, right. Uh, turns out you couldn't, which is why most of those ninety shows are terrible. Yeah. Um, but but uh, so the wall of sound happens and it 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 nearly bankrupts the band because yeah. it's just so expensive to keep touring at this point. Yeah, there, move it from one venue to the next. And yeah, it took like yeah. it took like something like, like three trucks just yeah, to move three semi trucks just yeah. to move it. Yeah. And uh, so that happens and they and they realize that they've created, you know, Grateful Dead Corporation and they mm-hmm. have all these employees and people who depend yeah. on them to keep touring for a living. They had a and record they don't... company. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And so... um, they did, you know, they did sort of direct uh, to consumer sales of tickets before yeah. that was ever really yeah. contemplated. Um, and so after 74, they were exhausted from touring, which they had to keep doing because they had to keep paying all these people. And they decided to make the Grateful Dead movie, yeah, um, <laughs> which Jerry Garcia spent so much time mastering and tinkering with. Yep. And so for a band that was already kind of in the hole, like yeah, yeah. the movie just put them totally over the edge and they basically had to start touring again to be solvent. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, uh, so which then... after the, after 74 and the movie, if you're not aware is basically a live film of their last concert. Yeah. It's like one of the, one of the Winterland one, shows one of the or Winterland something. Shows, or yeah. maybe the combination of all the nights. Really. Mm-hmm. And at that time, they were taking a hiatus, and I think people were like, oh, are they done? Like, what's going on? And uh, I think they were taking a break. That's right. That's right. From Um, all of that. And, and, they, and they, they said they might not tour again. They weren't. They yeah, weren't. They weren't sure. They, they weren't just sort sure. of said like, "We're yeah. just. We're just tired of this right now." Yeah. And then. And so then it turns out that they needed to tour, and they 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 played a few shows in '76. I know in '75, a couple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but '77 was really, I think, the first year where they were fully back, and they were fully, just like yeah. on the road for you yeah, know, yeah. seven months out of the year. Sure. And at this something. point, they've been a man for what ten years. Uh, about in that. Um, sixty-five or so yeah. is usually considered. When did the first album come out? Because I know they were sixty-seven. Sixty-seven. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were they were doing stuff. They're hanging out with Kesey and, and stuff before that, doing the oh, acid yeah, tests. Yeah, they were doing all the acid tests. <laughs> yeah, in sixty-five yep. and sixty-six. You know, that yeah. same time period. Uh, they've been they've been a uh, a band for about ten years. So that's uh, I think it's almost like Gladwell's ten thousand hours. Yeah, like you mm-hmm. especially, and I think taking a break is good often for bands that reach that point. And they had uh, done a lot in that 10 years. They had done a yeah. lot in I mean, that yeah. 10 they had, years. They had already completely almost reinvented themselves. Uh, right. you know, they went through their right. psychedelic, druggy, 
yeah. really, you know, swirling psychedelic sound and into the really acoustic-y, you know, folky yeah, kind right, of stuff right. in the early 70s and then into the really jazzy stuff in the, you know, yeah, 73, right. 74s where they really heading into that jet, well, you know, they, really were, they were also mirroring, um, <laughs> as, as underground as, as people think they were, yeah. they were, they were the, they were the, the tip of the iceberg that you saw floating up top. Yeah. They were just mirroring a lot of the stuff that was going on in the jazz scenes Yeah, and like the really weird, like psychedelic folk scenes Yeah, that was, I don't know why it was still going on in 77, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it was, I mean, yeah. and you and I both know Andre and yeah. I think you too, like we, that's some of my favorite era. That's my favorite era for music because there's just so much weird shit. Yeah. There's dudes who People like think just... it's good to write a song with a 40 piece string or orchestra talking about the space unicorn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, and, yeah. and it's not, mm -hmm. but it's so good and mm -hmm. so audacious. And, uh, they aren't going to be mounting towards of civic centers of, yeah, it's not, know, not practical. Even in the excess of the 70s. Yeah. But I mean, one thing uh, I want to I want to get a little music because we've been talking for a little while yes, and yeah. get into this stuff. And, and honestly, we have a lot more to say about the box set. Uh, one of the shows in this is the Buffalo show from five, nine, seventy seven, which I don't I don't think we said uh, and we can get into that. This is my favorite song was my favorite song of the dead almost exclusively uh it's my favorite show i think from this set yeah this is you you wade in you start with the barton hall because that's you're like i'm familiar with that i want to hear it. but you wade in and we should talk about set list and what that indicates yes. Yes. yeah yeah definitely but, but this one has a version of brown-eyed woman on it that is just spectacular mm -hmm. yeah and it and it it follow, it's followed or preceded by Help on the Way, Slipknot, Franklin's Tower, that yeah. little trifecta. Just hello. Here we yeah. are. Like, welcome. <laughs> welcome to the evening. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and Cassidy, which yeah. is another one. Yeah. Just, people often forget that the dead yeah. wrote, like, truly great songs. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. a great song. Uh, but this one is, is one of their best. The Brown Eyed Women. This is off of the uh, 5977 show. Garcia 
playing <laughs> as well as like I've I've ever heard yeah, him play I mean, on any is... recording. I mean, like as a guitar player, yeah. I know you're a guitar player too, yeah, Andre. Yeah. Like that man had just magic, yeah, in his fingers. It's it's there's nobody that sounded like him. There's people have tried, yeah, that, and it's not it's not his guitar. His guitar was a part of it. It's sweet. It's not the amps. It's like it's just him. Yeah, there's there's a very clear window into his thought pattern on what he chooses that sure. is so unlike anybody else that has ever picked up the instrument. Yeah, you can mm-hmm. see it. And honestly, I'd say people like Jimmy Page are the same way. People like Eric yeah. Clapton are the yeah. same way. Great guitarists are, uh, you know, Ingve Malmsteen is the same yeah, way, yeah, yeah. but immediately but, distinguishable. But you, right? Yeah. Like you hear a one line, a riff, and I'm like, oh, it's Jerry. Yeah. It's just there's something the way yeah. he approaches, like you're saying, the way he approaches it was. And he has pl- this. Good. He has this great comp. So I think I think some of that is uh, there's the banjo playing early on, which is yeah, before, yeah, he, yeah. before yeah. he was That's really right. the guitar, he was a banjo player. So there's that sense of like there's kind of a, a repetitive muscle thing that yeah. that uh, is happening and. And he was, to your point earlier, Kevin, such a jazz head. Like, mm-hmm. if you yeah. read if you read Miles Davis's autobiography, yeah, um, where he says amazing, horrible things about just about every single person he comes across, he calls Steve Miller a non-playing white motherfucker. <laughs> I think <laughs> when he's told he has to open for Steve Miller, and he yeah, says, "Fuck that, yeah. I'm just going to show up three hours late," and Steve yeah. Miller has to go on before me. Uh, he talks about meeting Jerry Garcia, yeah. uh, playing on the same bill as them at, at the Fillmore. And and he doesn't he doesn't have much to say, but he basically says like I was surprised by how knowledgeable they were, and that Jerry Garcia seemed like a really smart, nice, intelligent, you know. And 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 Miles Davis yeah. doesn't say nice doesn't, things about no, people. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. right? no. so. so to even get that, that's yeah. a compliment, yep. you know, in yep. his book. Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole goal I think of this band originally was not just it was his personal exploration, but like you said, he started off uh a banjo player they started mm-hmm. off as a bluegrass band they did absolutely mm-hmm. and there was a, there, the, there was a jug band before yes, the there was a jug yeah. band and it and it was mother, mother mccree's jug band yeah. or something yeah. yeah uh not emmett otters no, no. yeah but <laughs> emmett otter <laughs> yeah that's awesome but, uh, I love that no, one. but it was love it. they they were in this time and this place in, in california where they were in san francisco that that was that's just what was going on people yep. were like bluegrass yeah. had made it out there uh, refugees, uh, like refugees, but you know what I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> from Appalachia, who are like, yeah, we're, going, we're yeah. going out to the coast yeah. to find a new life and do all this, and they brought all this tradition with them. Uh, I mean, you think about his pairing with David Grisman, yep. yeah, yeah. who was out there. Was that, that's still, uh, there's a Squaw Valley show, I forget what year it is. 91 uh, or it something. It might be, yeah. and, it, and, it, and even then, Leighton Garcia's life, it's it's tremendous. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, uh, he didn't just know his craft; he was his craft. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think uh, it's the easiest way to explain the entity of Garcia. But you have that and have that looseness and have little Bobby in the background, like, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, which yeah. whatever. I mean, you're too much cocaine. The shorts are riding too much yeah. too high on the nuts. I, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter. I but think this was cowboy era, Bobby. Though was it cowboy era? Yeah. yeah, I think this is cowboy era. He was. He was. He, he was, was uh, to quote James McMurtry, dressed uh, dressed up like Gunsmoke every every Saturday yeah. night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was playing that cowboy um, Ibanez, you know, guitar. Yep, yeah, 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 yeah. Ibanez. Yeah. That's the yeah. Um, you know, but this you is, have all these like high level musical sensibilities being applied to what's essentially just a folk tune. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, and that is a lot of their career up to this point. 
Well, it's a combination of all the things. I think the other interesting thing about this period in their career is that they're sort of have, I feel like they've started to really find their identity and the feel of what they were doing. They explored all these different things. And then this mm-hmm. is sort of a period where it's all now coming together really yeah. in, nicely in a package. It's like we did the folky stuff in the early 70s. We did the really jazzy stuff, 73, 74, which some of it got a little long-winded. Right, you know, right, it's right. like, really cool but if you're not ready for a 26 minute playing in the band you know you, you yeah. know yeah, yeah that yeah. might be a little much you know where they were like oh, let's look kind of kind of scale that back let's take some of the things we learned while we were doing those explorations and sort of bring them all together in, in maybe a better whole package here and it really i feel like this is where it started to really come together nicely yeah let's do some of the old stuff like ideas and then like you said this is kind of just a folk song yeah. in a sense they were they were clearly I think at this point um, uh, they had learned so you know Keith had been in the band since seventy one or seventy two I, th- I think he comes yeah. in when Pigpen is sort of still in failing health so I think yeah, for a yeah. good chunk of Europe seventy two they have two they, yeah yeah um, Keith they played have both. piano and Pig yeah. played uh, the organ yeah and uh, and so now they've had five or so years with Keith um, yeah. they figured out how to use Donna. No, no they yeah. didn't. <laughs> the fuck they did, dude. She's a, she's a, she's okay. Yeah. She's okay. Get out of my basement. <laughs> yeah. Come on, well, man. She's on this on this set on this set. Donna does not. Um, she doesn't hit any. Oh, she does hit a couple bad notes. Yeah. Um. Uh. But she doesn't completely. You know, belly flop on uh on like the high notes and like uh, uh playing or yeah. uh, anything like that. But uh and and then and and Keith is probably the most technically gifted person who's ever played the piano for the band i mean I, band. I think yeah. I, have, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like i like yeah. i like what brent brought a sure. little bit more than keith sometimes yeah. um, but that's probably just the state like a reflection of my station in life at this point where yeah. i sort of like that 80s cheesy yeah, yeah, yeah. kind yeah, of thing yeah. but but cheesy i think synths and stuff yeah yeah but like but but what keith did technically is just yeah and he really found his place i think at this point yeah you know because I can't imagine it was easy at the beginning to say like where where do I fit in what's happening here, right? You know, and that's an interesting part of the Grateful Dead. And we were just talking about it when we were listening to that song. I love listening to shows or different songs on shows and really focusing on a different person in the band. Mm-hmm. And if you sort mm-hmm. of take that time, you're like, whoa! Like I didn't, I didn't, I never like noticed what that person is doing on this song yeah. in the context of what other people are doing. A lot of people will shit on you know Bob Weir's playing, but it's if you really look at it in the context and reflection to what Jerry's doing, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I wouldn't want another guitar player sort of messing with A lot of people compl- argue that, yeah. that another guitar player couldn't do what Bobby was doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, he's doing all these crazy inversions. I remember yeah, hearing his- an interview with him and he was talking about, I had to learn every inversion, which is like modified ways of playing different, like the same chord in different ways mm-hmm. on the guitar so that I could complement what Jerry was doing without stepping on him but also so that yeah. I could push him. And I've heard Jerry talk about that in interviews. Yeah. He's like, Bobby would push me by the weird things that he was doing. Well, because mm-hmm. if you're, if you, if, and to put that in practical terms, like everybody knows what a guitar neck is. And so what that yeah. means is that if you are playing in the key of D and you're in the D chord, if you're soloing low on the neck and then the yeah. guy is, the guy the rhythm guitarist is playing just the D chord, doesn't work because yeah. you're you're essentially right, doing the right. exact same notes. Yeah, it's like, um, but you can do things. You can suspend parts of a chord. You can diminish mm-hmm. parts of a chord. Yeah, and you know, generally that sounds like a chord change. What they did so brilliantly was it it because 
Jerry was using so many different like modes, yeah, and yeah, so many different types of scales. Bobby could then drop down to a flat, a comp- which is a completely different chord, yeah, and it wouldn't change the key. Yeah, because right. at the same time, right. somehow yeah. Jerry's playing the complementary note to that to well, keep yeah. it in key, or he'll shift his mode. Yeah, yeah. here's uh, Bobby right. go to that. You just shift right. your the tonal which, mode, which is which is which is again wild. Like nobody, there's a lot of jam bands out there. Yeah, and for them, the jamminess and and I'm looking at you, fish. Yeah. is is all about like you know how how hard can I get off? Yeah, it's yeah. it's not how can I compliment how, these how other fast players? Can I play it? Right. This yeah. was, this was really all about, and this is what jazz players do. This is really all about like. How does this note, this one note I'm going to play, mm-hmm. fit into this pocket of these notes that these other three or four guys are playing? Yeah. And that goes for drumming, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. Drum, yeah. we haven't talked about uh, Mickey Hart no, or no. Kreutzmann. We'll, we'll but, there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, you, you look at how uh, jazz drummers fill in stuff. Yeah. And a lot of this music, even the folk music, was so complicated that the dead need a fucking two drummers. Yeah. 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 Like it, it was necessary. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it, it's debatable whether they have two full drummers well, or whether yeah. it's just one real drummer and then Miggy. It, yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but, but, but even Mickey was bringing something different to the, you know, we, we, we talked about Jerry with the jazz and the folk. Yeah. Um, Phil Lesh is uh, into at this point, like avant-garde experimental, yeah. um, early electronic music. Um, Mickey Hart, of course, is well known for all of the world stuff he's done with like yeah. Baba Tunde Alatunji and all these other guys. Yeah. Um, it's a really weird uh, thing to have all of these disparate musical traditions come together and basically turn into Americana. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sort of like acid jazz Americana at times, yeah, yeah. But, but that's basically what it was. This was yeah. a, this is a Western band telling Western stories for the most part. Yeah. I mean, think about help on the way. Yeah, think about that. Song. Well, well, could anyone? Could anyone? Could you? Is it possible to notate supplication? <laughs> like, no, could, no. I mean, it's a great question. I, I don't know. Uh, Which if, is an interesting tune, you know. I mean, it, that was a uh, actually a Kingfish tune, wasn't it? I think that's right. Supplica- yeah, uh, lazy the lightning supplication. Lazy lightning supplication. The interesting yeah. thing about them. I, I mean, I don't know if people are aware. The amount of mu- they were on hiatus, sure, uh-huh. but they also made an album, Blue right. Sparella, yeah, during Sparella, that time. Right, right. And yeah. then, you know, Bobby made a Kingfish album. Jerry probably made a, yeah, I think he made a solo album. I mean, they right, were right, right. He did. Of, he did. I think Garcia came out Garcia in '76 or something. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> and then they, and then they just finished making Terrapin Station album. Yeah, right, right. You know? which, which, <laughs> which, which, was fir- which was first played that February. <laughs> like, like, anything, I just realized if they do a reissue of a Bobby album, they need to do it like packaged in jean shorts. Like they- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bobby and the Midnight yes. album, yeah. Yeah. like they did, yeah. you know, Sticky Fingers, the zipper, oh. yeah. oh. unrelated. Yeah. But that's I can picture myself touching it. Like, uh, right. <laughs> um, uh, but no, you mentioned the track uh, Supplication, and just so people are familiar, because that is a yeah, deep, yeah. Uh, very deep cut, I think, mm-hmm. from the yeah. dead. Uh, this is off the uh, New Haven show. This was what was, what was the date of this one? This is, is this five five. I think is it, it, it's going to scroll soon. It's going to scroll. We're, <laughs> we're waiting. Slowly. Zero 1977. Here's supplication. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
song that you know they played it in the '77 stretch here because I but you didn't yeah. see it. It's kind of an obscure one. Didn't pop up mm-hmm. too much. Was the, did that you one know? ever land on a record? No, uh, no, it was not it was on, on that Kingfish album. Yeah. Well, okay, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, not on a dead. Yeah, not it's on sort a of like album. I don't, I don't, I don't think the dead ever released Deal. I think that was a Garcia solo thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, a, yeah, solo album. Yeah, yeah, um, but that shows up, you know, mid set here. Yeah, which you know yeah. later in their career, historically looking, that became like a first set closer. You know, the, right, the yeah. first set closer yeah. deal. We're here; it's more of a you know still in the middle. You know, they're sort of figuring all that stuff out. <laughs> so, so let's actually talk about this. you. You bring up an interesting point. Like Bobby had his his Kingfisher stuff. He had like uh, Rhett, Rhett Dog was not around. No, that was uh, much later. Much yeah. later, he had Bobby in the Midnight. Bobby in the, in the early Midnights. 80s. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, uh, he also had Jerry Garcia band. Yeah, uh, yeah, around there, you know. So they were all doing their sort of own thing, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that was from the. You guys can speak to this better than me. Like, was that in the hiatus? That's sort of what happened. They just kept playing. No, I, I think there was always going on. Yeah, yeah. You know? I think and I think some of it emerged organically, just out of the yeah. fact that they were musicians who had other guys they played with, and this happened to be the band that that paid the bills. Yeah, I I have a collection of Garcia interviews from Rolling Stone or something, and um. And there starts to be around this time and going forward, there starts to be like this weird, almost anger that Garcia seems to feel about the dead's popularity. Right. Okay. Like, right. Uh, like it's clearly he sort of thinks that he's this complex, multidimensional character who's been reduced to his role in the dead as the front Papa man Bear. of this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and and he really has no interest in that. Um, so wh- where's the fan base at this point? Because, I mean, look, yeah. you can't talk about the Grateful Dead without talking about the fan base. This is yeah. Yeah. the lot scene. Uh, they, no, no band has ever had a following this devoted. No. Uh, ever. Yeah. Uh, before or since. Like, this just didn't happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it wasn't mayhem. It wasn't like the Beatles. It wasn't like people freaking out of the Rolling Stones. Right. It was follow them from town to town. Because yeah. if you look at these set lists, yeah. there's not like a hit on right. here. You right. Know, right, right. Like, even their hits, I guess, that you could call them, they don't even show up in these shows you know i guess it would have been casey jones and truck and i guess sugar magnolia Mm -hmm, you know pops mm -hmm. in um but you know they weren't a band that were known for their hits you know it was it was the whole experience and yeah and their fan base was part of that whole experience and they were and they were a very smart band about cultivating a following um and um and i think they understood i think uh, i've read interviews with phil lesh where he basically where, where at one point he says people think our shows were too long and he said but honestly at one point we just thought we have to keep the shows this long so that everyone has time to come down from whatever they're on for the show okay so yeah. they can get home safely Is that <laughs> after right? we're done like like the yeah. audience right so they're sort of like so they start to structure their shows as a sort of replica of the uh the the process uh that hallucinogens put you through yeah. so you okay. start with sort of like tighter well-defined songs and they start to stretch out yeah and then the second set like it all just breaks break, like a right? little break let's yeah, yeah, all yeah. like Go get some water. Yeah, and then yeah. and then and then the second set is just where the spacey thing comes in, right? Yeah. And that's and that's where you get the space drums and and it was really a lot of it yeah. was to help people work through their trips so that they wouldn't be getting back on the road after the show, <laughs> yeah, uh, struggling How with generous the concept of existence. I mean, yeah. I mean well, well I mean that, 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 that comes from the acid yeah. test, which for people right. who don't know, the acid tests were essentially uh, they're working with Ken Kesey, uh, the author, of the guy who wrote One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, yeah. amongst other things. Uh, a a big thinker, if you yeah. will, and uh, and uh, Alsley was around. Oh yeah, yeah. building <laughs> yeah, that he stuff. Was. <laughs> he was doing he the might, sound. He, I think. Yeah, was yeah. he still doing the sound in '77? I 
don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. I should uh, know that. But if it, uh, by Owsley we mean Owsley Acid. What was his first name? I don't Bears Owsley Stanley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> None of those are probably actually yeah, on his birth certificate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so what they, you know, like we said, they started off as this bluegrass band, but then uh, it's the equivalent of a house show here, except except yeah. in San Francisco they were doing like uh, warehouse parties, yeah. and you would go and much like we were just talking about these sets, like the whole experience was tuned to see what's going to happen. Yeah. Because people didn't know. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. They call, they, they call it, these happenings at the time, right? There was a time. Yeah. 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 And, and, and LSD was not illegal. Right. Yeah. It was not, it was not a schedule was, one. Also the average tab had something like 350 micrograms yeah. of LSD, which, which by the time, uh, uh, you know, the nineties came around, you're at the average tab of LSD. I had something like 125 or 150. Right? Yeah. So, so they're, so, so they're taking two or three tabs of stuff that's stronger than what the average kid in 1993 would have taken. Yeah. 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 But so they, think about that. They're, 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 <laughs> yeah. I know. And, and, and the weed it. was weaker back then. Yeah. Right? And the, the weed was weaker back then. Was lower, so you didn't have so, anything to mellow you. Yeah. <laughs> so not only was the audience on this stuff, but the band was on this stuff. Yeah. So it was all meant to see like how there's a there's a book uh if you if you're a real deadhead uh the name of the book is it's i think it's like long strange trip it's a uh it's a history of the grateful dead i i didn't find it great <laughs> yeah it never finished it actually because it amounts to like well then they did drugs and they ma- made music they did drugs made music it's like yeah. a thousand yeah. pages of this yeah but that's that's literally sort of Unfortunately, that's their experience yeah, back then. Yeah. But they were a party band up to that point. Band. Like right, in right. And that, that's what the right. point they is. They were is playing it, five, six nights so a week gonna, for parties, who, who like at hire, a bowling alley or if, something. If you're or Ken, strip clubs. If you're, yeah, if you're Ken yeah. Kesey, who are you going to hire to like play this thing where you want to dose everybody willingly? Yeah. Like they're, this is not a Bill mm-hmm. Cosby yeah, type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Jesus, you, you, you want to dose everybody and then just sort of, we, we're all going to get together and we're going to see what happens. Yeah. You want the guys who are down with that. Yeah. And not only that, yeah. are, are making music because they're down with that. They, yeah. The type of music is evolving. It's getting, they're not afraid to go from bluegrass to, you know, like drums in space. Yeah, which yeah. is a, yeah. a ridiculous fucking concept. Yeah. <laughs> like, why would you have drums ever? Like, none of the drummers in this band are that good. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. So especially not Mickey Hart if he is a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, there goes our Mickey Hart. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, You're not getting you know, shared on that so, one. So, so like you know, you you see that they got a very good experience in honestly like marketing in demographic mm-hmm. studies because mm-hmm. it does take a particular type of person to like yeah like that that took yeah. a very that took a very particular like and and the one qualifying thing was like I'm going to get fucked up yeah right well, so think, you didn't go to these and just hang out and i think it was also the openness of saying like and I've heard interviews where they talk about, you know, Casey coming to them and saying, you know, just play whatever. We mm-hmm. don't care. Like, just make yeah. some sound. Exactly, yeah. Like, make some sound. Exactly. Like, and that sort of open format. And he's often devolved into that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there was, you know, the, I remember even hearing, I just saw an interview with Jerry talking about it. He's like, yeah, the music was, like, terrible, you know? But, I mean, <laughs> but, it was, uh, but it was also, like, a palette on which we had the freedom to explore to see mm-hmm. what sort of reaction we could get out of people. You know, before my guitar turned into a snake, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. it was like, 
you had to try and do it before <laughs> you just completely melted down, you know? <laughs> and so I think they call that post rock now. <laughs> 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 not, yeah. I was gonna say not the slam on post rock, but I yeah, I'm going to yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. a squonk and a, and a yeah. Yeah. don't yeah. make you a good band. <laughs> yeah. but, um, well to to get to get back to something you were just asking about though, Kevin, I I, I think at this point they're um and in 1977 the dead are trying to prove that they're not just a weird cultural relic or artifact yeah, from 1967 sure, sure right and they're trying to prove that um that they have a following and they're probably noticing that there are people showing up to their shows who didn't really experience the summer of love right yeah, that there, are, that yeah. there are new teenagers coming on and and, sure. and i i mean i i one of the fun things when you meet people who are into the dead is sort of talking about uh is, is learning, um, especially if they're older than you, is sort of learning, like, when did you get into them? What happened? Yeah. Who was, you know? Uh, and I remember talking to a guy who, like, s- who, like, s- sold liquid acid on yeah. tour starting yeah. in 1989, maybe. And, yeah. and uh, no, sorry, 79. He was there for Brent's first show. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so his, his take on it was very, was like as an 18 year old in 1979, yeah. right. He was, he sort of thought like, ah, I got so fucking tired of hearing about how good Keith was. Like oh, all okay. that shit was so boring. <laughs> oh, you know, it wasn't yeah. until, it wasn't until 79 that they started taking real chances okay, and that they yeah. could fall on, you know, fall flat completely yeah, yeah. Sure. or just totally bomb. <laughs> um, and that's, that's not an, that's not an, it's, it's a valid take. Sure, right? sure. It's a, Especially um, in the context of that time, yeah, you right, know, you're right. Like, okay, you're here's the who's the new guy, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, if you're not aware, you know, Keith Godshaw, who is the piano player for these shows that we're, you know, kind of focusing this episode on, uh, he passed away, yeah, in seventy nine. Was it seventy nine? And yeah, it and was a it was it was a car crash. With car him? crash. I'm I believe. To so yeah, pig, yeah. Pig pen. It's it's uh, cirrhosis of the liver. Maybe hepatitis. I think or hepatitis. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um. So Keith is a car crash. Brent. OD'd, yeah, and Vince survived, but then, but then committed suicide. <laughs> then committed, that's <laughs> like right. Fifteen years later. Yeah, so this is the you so, know spinal tap well, drummer yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of thing. You know, spinal yeah. tap sort of built their you know exploding drummer on you yeah. know on this concept. Bruce, Bruce Hornsby is still alive. That's right. <laughs> Bruce Hornsby still walks yeah, the earth, yeah, 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 yeah. and he he was uh, uh, also one of he's probably one of their strongest keyboard players. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah um, definitely in a different way. Mm-hmm. Because the w- the way Bruce plays is not um, whether it's with this or with his own stuff, it's it's very steeped in jazz, but it's not. It's hard to, it's really hard to describe. But he's another person who, yeah. like Garcia, if you hear Hornsby, yeah, you immediately recognize. You, you're like him. that's Hornsby. That's yeah. why yeah. when you heard the end of Innocence in the '80s by Don yeah. Henley, you were like. <laughs> Yeah, Wait, is this a Hornsby song? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and yeah. you know that can be attributed to like the note choices that can be attributed to just the type of instruments he used. Yeah. But really, it, it's just like it's what the he study, does. though too. Yeah, he, is, and, uh, he has educated himself you know, and you know, studied well, the music. Actually, we should figure out if we can get a van and do this. Uh, he's doing a festival in Williamsburg. Oh, nice! And he's also been uh, working with our friend uh, Phil we, Cook. Oh, sweet. oh, that's right. That is sweet. right. Yeah. Yeah, oh, because, right. they, they, because they, they did that track together. They did the track together, yeah. together yeah. for yeah. that. And, and, yeah. and, Black, Black Money and, River. And Phil, when he was here, it was like a couple weeks after that had happened, I think. Okay. After they actually recorded it. And he said it was like literally like the highlight of his professional career. Yeah. Which is saying yeah. a lot. Yeah. Because <laughs> Phil Cook's a badass. Yeah. And, but he, because he was like, I'm in this room, I'm playing this music that I love. 
with the guy in the dead yeah, yeah, that I yeah. loved more than <laughs> yeah, keyboard, yeah, yeah. You know, um, you know, when you, I mean, look, let's roll through the keyboard players first of all. Pigpen just blues. Yeah. Cos- cosmic blues. Yeah, 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 <laughs> so, yeah. No, 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 no. He, he, he was a brawler. And he was the original singer, you know, frontman. He was the frontman, you know. He really That's right. brought the energy. The, um, in the Phil Lesh book, he talks about hearing Pigpen before he'd ever met him. Mm-hmm. Like, just yeah. being somewhere and hearing this guy singing and not believing that the voice he was hearing was coming from a white dude. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then so so then then it went. What was the order? Tom Constantine, Constantine. was in there for a year or two, yep. right? Yep, that's you right. Know, and this... he and he then he then sort of got Jerry sort of poached him to do some of the solo Garcia okay. stuff. Okay, I think. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was doing some weird. That was like the anthem of the Sun Time. Yeah, you know? yeah, like doing weird stuff. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, that's a whole nother episode. Yeah, that album. <laughs> Um, so, so Constantine, then yeah, and then uh, and then, Keith. and then Keith and Keith, um, uh, Donna. Is yeah. part of the package because they were <laughs> yeah. married. God damn it! Um, Brent uh, comes along, um, and and Brent and and contrary to what you hear here on on these songs, you know Keith has this very sort of like pure. Uh, I don't I don't know how to describe it. Like it just sounds the way you want a piano to sound. I guess. Yeah, like, yeah. And it's the platonic and, ideal of a piano. Yeah, yeah like, it focuses yeah. on the piano. I think yeah. most where you right, know, right later it kind of. So morphs right. into other areas. Well, so back to the jazz too. I think I think jazz pianists have that. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got yeah. a, 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 yeah, yeah. a and a and a Cameron. I forget the guy's name, but I've got a fantastic album from uh, a guy in the West Coast get down now. Okay, who's playing with Miles Mosley's band? Yeah. Who also he plays in that whole scene, which is yeah. Uh, for people who don't know, that's sort of the Kamasi Washington's pool mm. of people. That's who. Uh, yeah. That's who Kendrick looked to to yep. do to okay. Butterfly. Yep. And you hear it in the piano, like the piano sounds like it's it's, it's an ideal of a piano, not just yeah, like, yeah. not just a Nord because I can play a chord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's playing all over, and mm-hmm. if you really, like I said before, if you just sit and sort of hone in on him, yeah, and just sit and listen to what he's doing, it's a it's a very very unique. Mm-hmm. Some people do, you know, sort of say, well, over time Keith just started sort of replicating what Jerry was doing, and there is some criticism. of that's why I think some yeah. people like your friend. Yeah. It sounds like yeah, yeah, when yeah. Brent came in, he he didn't just try and you know do the same sort of uh, you know things that Jerry was sort of yeah doing I th- in that I think, territory. I think the interplay between Brent and Jerry is is generally more interesting than between Keith and Jerry. Yeah, but I think Keith is a better pianist. Than a Brent. better pianist, yeah. yeah. Overall, it, it, yeah. It, it must be said and cannot be overstated enough. A lot of the interaction was like, "You got my fix." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I think they were <laughs> I mean, buddies, they were buddies yeah. on that front. Yeah, that's yeah. an interesting thing to bring up because this is definitely also, you know, I don't know the history exactly, but of Jerry moving into the into the heroine. He was he, but, was, he was on an allowance because the, okay. because the band was so broke. Okay, so he only had like fifty, like like each band member only got like fifty bucks a week to spend yeah. on on everything. Okay, and so there was just. Not as much money available for heroin, heroin as there that, would be later. Okay, as there would be later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that, yeah. And, and and so when you couple that with what I was talking about, when when like Jerry has this anger in these interviews, like he doesn't okay. want to be, he doesn't want to be uh, idolized as this kind of like countercultural, the leader of the grateful. Like he he just yeah. wants none of that. And so increasingly, like there's this dark strain, um, 
you know, I think about the 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 line from the song "It Must Have Been the Roses" on yeah, that yeah. July yeah. seventy eight box set, right? Yeah. It's strange how no one comes around anymore, and it's like, well, Jerry, you're you fucking hate everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're 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 out of your mind yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, all you want to do like, is close the door, go into a room, and shoot heroin. Right. Yeah. You know, like that's why yeah. no one comes around anymore. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he was you to, know to the, coming to that like to he, that point, he's yeah. a great balladeer. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, oh I my god. Talk Stella about Blue, this. Like, like he, yeah. his favorite songs and types of songs that he likes to write are essentially ballads. Yeah. Very slow. And you know, I wanted to point out this, which is yeah, a, this you is know, a cover great, song. Great this is an old yeah. traditional song. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think traditionally called Fenario. Yep. Is the original title, and they changed it to Peggio. Yeah. Um, or maybe it was referred to that as well. And old traditional song, like going to the roots, playing, the, mm-hmm. taking this traditional music. And basically turning it into a ballad. You yeah, know, turn into a ballad. A... And, and it must be said that if you don't want to be idolized, mm-hmm. don't play a solo like this. <laughs> well, this is, <laughs> like, yeah. This is, yeah, this I brought this like, up. Like, this, this solo this is, is um, one of the, like, we, you were talking about, what are the key moments in your, yeah. like, timeline of getting into the Grateful Dead? Yep. Mm-hmm. And I always remember this solo because I remember the first time I heard it and I was learning how to play guitar and in the concept and I was thinking about I was into jam bands you know yeah. and I was like oh it's like how fast can you play it and this is the moment that I realized you don't have to play fast you yeah. just have nice. to play it well yep and this solo is an example of that
Peggio, and and we were we were actually discussing uh, while we were listening to that, along with you guys, how Garcia and other members of the band too, yeah. the jazz connection can't be understated. Yeah, that lead is essentially how a horn player would be playing. Yeah, mm-hmm. we were talking about that. Yeah, the mo- the melodic nature. I'll just say it yeah. again on Mike. Yeah. You know, the melodic nature of what he's playing in that solo and how he's following the vocal line, because the interesting thing about the song yeah. is that it's just, there's no chorus. It's just verse. Right. It's kind of like the chorus is sort yeah, of yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's just there's no verse. Yeah. It's just a series of verses, and then there's a solo in there, and that solo, the melodic structure of the solo follows the vocal line that he's just been singing and using, so you're very familiar with it. So to, to utilize he, that to, he to talks, build your solo on is... Yeah, really impressive because that that's something that's if you play guitar or any instrument, you know, it's difficult to to do that, you know, in yeah. the moment while you're soloing. Well, he talks about um, soloing in paragraphs, as I think okay. how he describes it, and he says like a lot of people solo in just uh, a series of sentences. Okay, but that when you listen to and the two the two names he cites, it's sort of weird. It's yeah. uh, one is John Coltrane, which is mm-hmm. not surprising, who definitely, definitely definitely soloed in paragraphs. Yeah. The other is um, a guy whose whose music is much harder to find is Scotty Stoneman, who is a fiddle player. Never heard of him. With yeah, the, with the with the Stoneman family. Okay. Um, and Scotty unfortunately had, I think, a number of alcohol issues, and and so uh, it, it's it's hard to find recordings of him doing what Jerry heard him doing okay. live, but. Um, but back when Jerry, in the early 60s, when Jerry was still primarily a banjo player, he talked sure. about going to see the Stonemans playing and, uh, and seeing Scotty and just understanding that, oh my God, you can, you can, you can solo, yeah. you can use that in this genre, right? Yeah. You can be John Coltrane playing bluegrass and just, sure. and just be like, you know what, you <laughs> yeah. know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a phrase yeah. at the end of this bar. Yeah. And you all just need to like, right? And yeah. and so and it it might take me like another four measures to solve this. Yeah, but, and, but... and the band follows him, which yep. is, and they push him. Because if you listen if you go back and listen to that solo again and just, there there are it, it there are movements in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he use and the band knows if he's at the end of sort of section one, he plays a a lead up line to move into the next section yeah. to tell the band, I think, that I'm going to keep going. Like, I have more yeah, to say yeah, yeah, here. It's exactly. Not, it's not over. Everybody, yeah. Because yeah. every peg, stand, stand back. Give yeah. me room. Because <laughs> sometimes, like, you can tell, you know, other versions of these songs. Yeah. Like, oh, he's not really feeling it. So he just jumps back into the song and the band follows right. suit. Right. You know, because they all, they all kind of need to come down. But as you listen to this solo, because yeah. he does these nice lines right at the end of each. Yep. So, you know, coming into the next bar or the next round, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we're going to take it up now. Yeah, we're not, like, we're we're not, we're not like, done, people. It's not like the song explodes, but you can tell the drummer started back. Oh, yeah, okay, here we, yeah. Here we go. Yeah, we're going to yeah. do this one more time, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and in building that anticipation of you, and that's one of the interesting things about their music is as a listener, you know, if you were there or you're listening, you, you don't know what you're going to get. And that's sort of the yeah. exciting part about it. Where is it going to be pushed to? Well, that's and that's the sense of, of freedom. I think that's always been in their music a little bit is just is this idea that, um, you know, just just as much as I love those moments, I also love the crash landings, mm-hmm. which is the sort of like, <laughs> which is like Jerry's out of like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> like, where, like where, where are we? Yeah, where am I? How many octaves lower am I supposed <laughs> yeah, to be yeah. right now to get back yeah. into <laughs> verse? Still just throw um, a bomb in there. Let's yeah. do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, OK, everybody pull back. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, Let's like bring it all back together here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Um, were you trying to take us, Kevin? 
Oh, I no. I'm, I'm just oh, I'm sitting back yeah, now. Yeah. It looked like uh, you had a thought. Yeah. I'm <laughs> scraping my bowl. <laughs> all I got is Sims and Seeds, man. Get some, get some, get some, get some resin, get some man. Resin. Oh, yeah, no. yeah. Get a paper clip. You know, and, uh, as, as we actually, uh, this is, this is going to be a two-part podcast. As we, yeah, as we round as down we... this first hour for you, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the music that's represented here. The, there are uh, three shows. Five, seven, Boston Garden. Five... Uh, nine Buffalo Memorial, and then uh, yeah, four shows. Uh, four shows. Well, there's four shows. New yeah. Haven, uh, five, Boston, five Veterans Memorial. Yeah. yeah. And that... Why? And then Barton Hall, which yeah. is which, which is going to be which is going to be the next hour. So if you just is, if you're just tuning in, yeah. and that's like, all, all you want to hear about is Barton Hall. That. Check us out on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other episode. It, it is, uh, it is. in there, guys. So because because the gist of that is like, why is that considered the greatest? Yeah, no spoilers, but that's that's really what there is to talk about. But why, if you remove that show, why this time? Why 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 these shows? Why this point in the Dead's history? Why is this because? I have listened to a lot of, of dead shows yeah. in my life. This release is some of the best that I've I've heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I will say an addendum to that: the way the dead works, if you are a fan, is it moves with you as you move through your life. So certain certain stuff, like this, just feels everything in this set right now. Yeah, feels good to me at this point in my life. I've heard all of them. Yeah. But now I can hear them in this like crystal clear. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. like, and we haven't even talked about that so much. The like, quality of, the yeah. quality of these yeah. shows is insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is like modern records done in the studio don't sound this good. Mm-hmm. And they put so much care into it and so much uh, love into documenting a piece of our history. Yeah. Uh, that, in a way yeah. that we can almost feel like we're there. So why why this right now? Uh, besides the obvious commercial reasons. I mean, look, this is a sweet this is a sweet fucking box set, dude. It this is, is like is. double yeah. magnet fold. Like I, yeah, I, I, yeah, work, yeah. I work in printing and publishing. Yeah. Like to make to make this fucking thing like this this would be a nightmare. Yeah. So our back of the envelope calculation was that that uh, they they made fifteen thousand of these and they sold them for about one hundred and fifty. So that's about two point two million dollars. Yeah, is and they and they and and, and it sold out, which is fairly, greedy. fairly quickly. Yeah, it's fairly not greedy. Though. It's not. It's not. They, they could have. They could have just been like endless. For what this yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, like by comparison, when they put out that thirty show box set, the thirty trips around the sun. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was like there was one show each year from sixty five to ninety five. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That was like a fifteen hundred dollar box set, and I remember oh, and, wow. I, and I and I remember seeing it. And thinking like, oh God, I don't want to have to make this decision. <laughs> I don't yeah. want, you know. Yeah. And then I checked back a day later, and it was sold out, and I was relieved. I was yeah. like, oh, thank fucking God! <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank, thank God there isn't just this temptation sitting out there for me to blow yeah. like almost two thousand dollars on yeah. on a suitcase uh, yeah. uh, suitcases worth of music. Um, uh, to your to your question about why uh, why, why this why yeah I yeah. mean I, I mean I, I have I have I have my answer I'm. I'm uh, I'm sure you have yours, Andre. I but... think it's just like a certain alignment of all these things at this point. And we've brought up a lot of them already. Yeah, you know, yeah. the dead have sort of are, you know, have sort of found what they are doing. I think they're re-energized coming off of this sort of break, as you've, you know, we've talked about a little bit, just sort of with a new energy. 
new album already you know mm-hmm, just finished mm-hmm. and sort of the stars lining and then the combination of that with this sort of taping culture that we've also brought up yeah 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 and you know the infusion of people that are interested in learning how to do that really well so they were experimenting mm-hmm. with that at the same time you know yeah yeah and so yeah i think i mean i think objectively the playing here is is really really good i think yeah. it's um uh you know, as as much as they they might not take as many chances as they would in other sure portions of their career, um, these are these are these are really professional sounding shows for a yeah. band that sometimes like flirted with uh, <laughs> with less professional approaches <laughs> yeah. yeah. to, uh, to concerts. Tight. Cough, yeah, 80s. there's, there's yep. not too much, you <laughs> yeah. know, like coming <laughs> off of that seventy three seventy four where some of it just it got way out there. Yeah, you yeah. know, well, almost about, to the point. Think about too, like the nineties shows. Yeah, I mean, we're going like ju- yeah, yeah. make a time jump. Sure, <laughs> and and you think about that if you uh, it's widely available that last show at Soldier Field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a mess. There's there's a good unbroken chain I think is the only thing that's maybe or, and a, and a, and a so many roads actually there's so okay, many roads yeah. from that last no, show that's, sure, is, sure. I can't listen to that because I will like it's it's devastating cry for five days. it is emotionally crippling yeah um but I you know the, the other the other thing I love about this is and this is sort of tied up with kind of uh, you know your own story or whatever is that uh, when I think back to like when I got into the dead and I remember um, having uh, a college roommate um who had who showed up with like something yeah. like 70 tapes or something yeah. and um and i and i had not I, I had been in the u.s for two or three years at that point had never really listened to the dead didn't understand the concept of like i i thought i understood improvisational approaches to music i didn't yeah. really get what jam bands were and and uh so evan simpson and this guy greg anson from baltimore i remember i remember just saying like okay well like you guys are telling me that there's all these different phases or whatever i'm gonna blind test you guys yeah so turn around i'm gonna pull a random tape out of here yeah. right and you won't know if it's 82 or 89 yeah. or 93 or 72 and and i would put them on and and they would immediately be able to like like a you know Distinguish. like a like a sommelier they would be like well this <laughs> yeah. is uh, right they would go through a process of elimination like yeah. who am i hearing what is yeah. this and i thought that was so fucking cool to know yeah. to know something that well and when i said i want to get into the dead and when I decided that, it was sort of like, well, let's sit down and listen to like all these great 1977 recordings yeah. because they sound so good. Yeah, because yeah. And you even, even the bootlegs. Before, that that, that is yeah. a big part of the story, which yeah. I think we'll talk about in the next hour a little more. Yep. Was the quality of these and then the infusion of that high quality tape into mm-hmm. this taping yeah. community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when you heard these shows, you were like, what? Yep. That, and so it's sort of like a process of natural selection. You know, it's like Absolutely. I have this tape collection, and then I know that but, those sound amazing just in terms of their the you know, as an auto audiophile. Yeah, you know, it's like if you're those, gonna, if you're going to take one, you're going to take one of these. Yeah, right. Exactly. So it becomes so it yeah. becomes propagated. And if you're going to uh, pass one on to somebody yep. else for the first time, yep, exactly. It's most likely exactly. going to be one of these within this range, and I think that's part of the story of. When you ask the question, not, why not the one from the vault? Not without a net. Not because yeah, well, like, I, I, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to pretend. I, I never saw no, the one net. from the vault. Was also I had, on I, that. You I know? had had a had a uh, amazing, could have been life changing experience that yeah. that, that uh, my life went a different path. This is this is one of the few forks in the road mm-hmm. uh, that I think I can actually look back at my life and be like, it's here or yeah. here. And um, 
but like I got into the dead through without a net, okay. which is like assy late eighties, wet wet drums, wet drums, but Branford Marcellus and Eyes of the World. Yep, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. already getting into like I was already into Yes, Yes songs. This is an yeah, album yeah. we celebrate. Yeah, which <laughs> 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 yeah. um, just turned like fifty or something. Oh, yeah, seventy two, right? Yeah. Wow. Man. Literally this week. <laughs> Sidebar. Yeah. We, we Andre, we did a podcast about that. We're gonna have to do another one about okay. that now that you're back in the country. I'm cool with that. But but uh, <laughs> but so you know, fell into that, and then as soon as you like dig in, you start to uh, you go down a rabbit hole real yeah, fast. Yeah. Like yeah, if, yeah. if it resonates at all, uh, and it's different from being hearing stuff like Sugar Magnolia or at the time Touch of Gray. Yeah. Like, yeah. At, touch at, touch at, heads. At, yeah. yeah. At, yeah. At, at yeah. a kegger, you know, it's like it, when it when it latches on. It gets uh, it gets in you like a lamprey, yeah, <laughs> and 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 it just sort of and you, you you feed off it and and so like my real in was that without a vault, without not without a vault, one from the vault, one from the vault, nineteen seventy five, right, yeah. right. Yeah. So that was the very first live release. We're now here. That's right. We're now. That's true. We're That's now here. Like what? Uh, fuck! Thirty years later, half yeah. half, half of May seventy seven has been has, has been officially been released. released by is, the band. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. At this point, I mean, it's be- between Dick's picks. Between they did a May seventy seven box set that was May eleventh through eighteenth or something. Okay. Five twenty one was a Dick's picks. Yeah. Five twenty eight was to Terrapin. That's right. Um. Now we have these four shows. Yeah, I mean, it's so really, really like filling that out. Yeah. If you if you want to go back in time, it's sort. You, you can sort of like Europe 72 it. <laughs> you can, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to listen to like every show the band played for like a 30 day period, you yeah. almost can with May 77 yeah, yeah, at this yeah. point. At this point. Yeah. So, so, so I guess what I'm saying is like, why um, th- these eras though, there's so many eras that you can get into this. Yeah. And, and why this one? Because but, I, if I'm, if I'm sitting back and, and trying to convince somebody, which I'm sort of trying to do right now. Mm-hmm. Trying to convince somebody like why you should listen to the dead. If you're just tuning in and you're like, "Hey, I think these guys know a lot about music, and I really don't know about the Grateful Dead," so I decided to spend an hour listening to us run our mouths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This set is it's going to give you just about everything I think you need to decide whether or not you are a dead fan or not. And yeah. when you come back to it, even, you know, so you, you sort of start with this and then um, I think for most people, this is just an easy entry point into the dead. And then you and then maybe you go into like, you know, maybe you have a hardcore like 60s phase where you like yeah. those like 40 minute long jams or yeah. the, you know, turn on your love light or whatever. Uh, buck and a quarter jams, all those things, right? The old Viola Lee, like all that, all that kind of stuff. Like you can do that. Hyperkinetic end of the 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 spectrum. Yeah, you can you can go eighties. You can go sort of like big bloated cheesy (laughs) dead. You can get into like you know Jerry barely being able to sing in like ninety three, ninety four. Like, um, but but like when you come back to this stuff, and even even like I look at like like I was looking at that the set list before I started listening to these CDs. Yeah, thinking like. Oh, I thought the songs like for some reason I thought the song selection would be better or something. Yeah, and there's and, a lot of repetition. Yeah, too, and thinking you know? and and feeling not that excited until yeah. you put it on and you hear it and you're like all of a sudden these songs that you think are just placeholders or that you might not be that excited to hear sure. on like an '84 show. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, when yeah. you hear them here, this is the version. This yeah, is the version of yeah, that song that you yeah. want forever and ever. It, that's the one you want in your mind, like yeah. flowing through your mind. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> the last question I'm going to ask here. Before we move on, 
This is going to be a hard question, guys. <laughs> this is going to be a real hard question. I'm a little, I'm a little scared here. Yeah, yeah, you should be scared. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know what my answer is, uh, but for people who don't appreciate jam bands and think that it is a jam band, they are not. Yeah, and you have They're to not. also realize when they were doing this, you know, yeah. I mean, they basically developed that or the concept right. of jam bands developed out of what yeah. they were doing. Yeah. You know, it, it, if anything, Jerry should fight. be mad about is yeah. the existence of Mo. Touche. You know, but so if you are, <laughs> why the dead? Why this over yeah. over any of those other bullshit bands? Because it's about the songwriting. Well, I mean, it's, you a, think it's it comes down to that. Well, because, because here's here's what jam bands are about, and this type of music, I think, it's about songwriting. Yeah, but it's also about a good time. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that shows were good times. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it, and it may be. I, I'm not. If you I, put I don't, the music on at your house during a party, people are generally going to have a good time too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I don't know how like multi ethnic this is. The dead is. I, I don't know the yeah. appeal of that. It's it's yeah. something I've I've honestly like wanted to explore for a long time. Yeah. Like what's because there's a side of this that is very privileged white males. Sure. Uh, and and females, but mainly white males. Trust going, Trustafarians. Trustafarians. Yeah. 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 Which bled into like seriously bad bands, like say <laughs> Mo. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Mo. I mean, they deserve it, but but string cheese incident are far more yes. egregious yeah, yeah. than Mo. But like, yeah. but, but here's the weird thing, and and and, and I, I will give string cheese incident credit, is that in the spirit of what these shows bring, what the live dead brings, like yeah. you we can name like off the top of our heads maybe four albums of the dead you should listen to, and that's actually it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's not, yeah. there's not like so the studio albums the studio, are not, yeah, are not where it's at, which is something that the the. Uh, the whole scene seems to cling to is like, no, it's all about the live shows. But the thing about it was that you have to be able to do both. And so you have to have at least one good album. Yeah. yeah. Strange yeah. incident though, uh, doesn't have a good album, <laughs> but they do. Uh, they played a show on Mayo Island in Richmond, uh, back in the day and they played for four hours and, and the, the, what they set up was just, it enabled you to enjoy yourself. Yeah, because it was an experience. Yeah, yeah. the the whole thing. That's something you, you know. Also unique that I feel the Grateful Dead, whether they consciously created that or it just created itself around what they were doing, was that it became it itself was an experience as a whole, the entire thing. You know, like mm-hmm. going to the show, like all you know, yeah, the whole yeah. event. It was an event. You know, yeah. some people were on right. tour. Some like people were on was, tour. That was the experience. Which, which brings it me was, back to like the, that like, fork in the road that I, yeah. that I was talking about, <laughs> which was uh, pull up to a gas station. There's a guy and his son. Yeah. I'm wearing a tie dye shirt, Grateful Dead shirt. In front. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to a party in Towson, Maryland. Uh, I forget it was Kegzilla or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was, it was roommate, college roommates, and, uh, and uh, one of them, their dad was out of town. They had a house up there, so, you know, it's, it's, and this is probably about an hour outside of Washington. Yeah. We come from Virginia Tech. And the guy says to me, he turns to me, he says, hey, man, yeah, sweet. You going to RFK that night? I say, uh, I don't know, I don't have a ticket. He's like, we got an extra, you want it? No shit. Yeah. 
and I didn't take the ticket. Oh. There's an alternate timeline there where, is where alternate Kevin timeline. goes to the show they're, they're and, ends up, and ends up on tour. Oh. And Kevin's in Highgate, Vermont when they... Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, my, my point is, is like, and, and it turns out, like, we were wondering where our friend Chris was, and, uh, and, and Chris Baumeister had gone to the show. Oh, shit. <laughs> you know, and then I ended up yeah. living next to RFK, like, yeah, you know, yeah, years later. Right. And it's like, yeah. fuck, yeah. But my point is, is, like... Uh, of asking why this and how you get into this stuff is is simply that you 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 gonna have a lot of chances and you just need to take them. Yeah, yeah. And it's okay not to like something. Yeah, yeah. But if you're if you're if you're listening to this and you don't like the dead, that's that's really weird. And we love you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Congrats for hanging yeah. in. Yeah. For this, yeah. for Congrats this for hanging in. But um, but. Yeah, it's if you're trying to figure it out, this is it. Yeah, I think. Yeah, this is this is this is a great. It's it's just a great starting point and a great yeah. ending point. For, yeah, for how to love the Grateful Dead. Yeah, it's like yeah. start here, go do a bunch of other shit, go listen to a bunch of other shit, and then come yeah. back to this. Yeah, and you'll always come back to this. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, think yeah. I think yeah. that is unanimous unanimously sort of agreed mm-hmm. upon. Yeah, I think within the entire community, I don't really, I don't think I've ever heard someone counter argue that. Yeah. You're not going to come back to these at right. some point if you're a fan of this type of this music. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, we're going to be back on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> um, and because because here's the thing, what we didn't talk about, and this was intentional, yeah. uh, was Barton Hall, which is yeah, considered yeah. to be the the holy grail of dead shows, the holy grail, I think, of of live recordings. Period. Well, it was put into the Library of Congress. Yes, it yes, was. Yeah. 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 So yeah. they identified so, it as culturally significant. Yeah, a culturally significant recording, and uh, this has been passed around forever, and now yeah. it is the the way. Actually, before we get out of here, I want to describe the the release sort of strategy of these guys. They they release one show from all these releases, right? Right, and it's up on streaming, and it's like, but yeah, everything you can, else you can get you can get Cornell on mm. Apple Music or on Spotify. Okay, yeah, um, it's it's out there. The uh, the other three shows in this box you can only get if you either bought the box set or if you buy the um, you can buy it digitally from the band. Okay, um, from the from the Rhino you know store or whatever. Yeah. Again, fantastic marketing. Yeah, yeah, it really, yeah, is. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Um, and they and they've and they've taken this approach. They they took this approach with the July seventy eight box set. That was four shows. I think mm-hmm. only one is on streaming. Okay, the thirty trips around the the thirty show suitcase yeah. uh, collection. I think they put out uh, uh, a a summary of it where there's like one song from each year. Oh, but, okay. But the only way to get, if you want all of Cape Cod 1979, like you had to buy the $1,500 wow. 30 show box set. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, or or troll eBay for someone who yeah. bought the box set and sold the shows off individually, <laughs> as my friend Andres did. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. So, uh, so we'll be back. Uh, thank you guys for hanging in. Uh, I think the trip's about to get a little bit weird. Yeah. So this is going to be fun. <laughs>
There you go. Part one of our, our dead week here on uh, on our little podcast from this basement here in Washington, D.C. Uh, thanks to Eduardo and Andre for hanging out. It was a real good time. Uh, but you're going to hear the second half of it on Thursday if you tune in. If we didn't bore you half to death. Um, you know, I have not seen the documentary yet, but by Thursday... That's going to change, so uh, you'll, I'll be able to give a little commentary on that. Uh, I know I am, uh, like all of our friends who are Dead fans, super excited for that. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, if, if you're just getting into the Dead, and this is this is the thing you're looking at, and you're like, hey, maybe I should look at this, uh, check out the Barton Hall shows. We're going to have a little playlist in this post that has uh, some choice picks. I think there's a, there's a few good albums of the dead, but really where it lies, and and this is the only band I think you can really say this about, even though they say it about a lot of jam bands. Uh, the real magic lies in the in the live performances, uh, which they thankfully uh, recorded for posterity or whatever um, for for history for us to explore and rediscover, which is going to happen I think over and over and over as time goes on, and. Um, yeah, so uh, that's our podcast for Monday on part one. If you liked what you heard, you can tune into us and subscribe on iTunes. You can leave us a rating or a message there. We are on Google Play, Mixcloud, Stitcher. Uh, we are on SoundCloud from time to time. Uh, the interstitial music you heard in the beginning of this, and you hear right now into this, is one aquatic gardener, our friend Jamal Gray. Uh, he does a solo work under that name. Also, he is uh, the man... Or one of the men behind the remarkable Nog Champa, which you're going to hear more about this year. DC sort of jazz, ratchet jazz, they call it now. They're a rock band. They're they're sort of everything. Um, and uh, and I would be remiss to say, uh, not to say that our podcast is hosted by Pippa. And we switched over at the beginning of the year, and it has been remarkable. It gives us all the tools we need. Um, to publish it, to publish it across many different platforms, get great metrics if you're into that sort of thing. We kind of are. Um, and it's free right now because it's a startup. So we'll put a link in the show notes. Go there. If, you, if you're wondering how do I do a podcast, which I had a lot of people ask me that this weekend, actually. Uh, that's how. They'll walk you through it. And then you'll be up and you'll be podcasting. All right, we'll see you on Thursday. Uh, so get out and see some live music, kids. Until then, be good to your ears, be better to your people. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi!